Thanks for taking time to listen to this episode of The Real Rescue Podcast. Take a minute to go to therealrescue.com to check out these and other great deals from our sponsors here at The Real Rescue. This episode of The Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. And rescueswimmershop.com, official high quality apparel featuring the silhouette. Breeze Eastern, they dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help your helicopter training. They train daytime, nighttime, aerial firefighting, hoist, longline, fast rope, rappel, and more. They can assist your program with standardization and safety checks or just an FAA annual refresher. With the certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crew, they are ready to help your agency keep up to date with current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. Plus, right now, SR3 is offering 10% off anything in their web store with the promo code, all capital letters, REALRESCUE, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Plus, they are offering 10% from their partners, Petzl, and their equipment. All you got to do is send an email to info at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Mention this podcast, The Real Rescue Podcast, and they'll take care of the rest. 15 years ago, photographer and Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 526, Chris Razor, created an iconic photograph. This photograph depicted the silhouette of a helicopter rescue swimmer reaching down for an outstretched hand in need against the American flag backdrop. The image went viral and became a symbol worldwide for the rescue community and the people they help. Its wild popularity inspired Chris to launch RescueSwimmerShop.com, a web store offering official high-quality apparel featuring his evocative image, The Silhouette. T-shirts, hats, patches, and stickers featuring The Silhouette are available at RescueSwimmerShop.com, including the flagship design, So Others May Live. Follow Chris and his story on Instagram with the handle at Rescue Swimmer Shop. And if you are a rescue swimmer, support rescue swimmers, or just tell people you are one at the bar, this gear is definitely for you. When you get to the website, rescueswimmershop.com, enter the promo code, all lowercase, one word, rescue, R-E-S-C-U-E, for 10% off your order. In episode 10, we had two guys come on and tell us an epic story of them going out and saving a ship. It was incredible. Pulling people off the ship, then pulling people out of the water, going back three times. It was amazing. If you haven't listened to it, go back and check that episode out. Well, they've come back again because in that episode, they talked briefly about this rescue that they did on a cruise ship called the Viking Sky. Well, they're here to tell it to us right now from start to finish. So please welcome from our friends from Norway, Hans and Alvin. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Real Rescue Podcast. Today, I've got with me the two guys that like blew my mind, Hans and Alvin out of Norway. Dude, what's up, fellas? How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Good to see you again, Jason. Hey, good to see you, Alvin. How are you, Hans? 
Oh, it's uh, I'm fine. Uh, really good to see you as well. Ah. We're basically like uh, repeat offenders. I know, right? I well, yeah. so with it, you guys had such an amazing case on the last one, and while we were talking about that, uh, and if anybody hasn't listened to that, go back and find the episode that they talk about the the container ship, the the cargo ship that just fifty foot waves, people in the water, ridiculous, awesome. Yeah, it was it was amazing. These guys did an, an amazing job. But in that, we were talking about uh, another case that you guys had. And I've been super excited to hear about this. You guys got called out to a cruise ship called the Viking Sky. And this is back in March 23rd, 2019. Uh, and the uh, Haglin Captive. Is that, is that right? Can I say that? Yeah, Haglin Captive. So these two ships at the same time are in a storm getting beat up by 12 to 15 meter waves, which for all my Imperial friends, that's like 40 to 50 feet. Uh, the cruise ship went disabled in the water, lost all four engines, trying to be at anchor. And all of a sudden you guys are called out to pick up and rescue 1,400 people. Yeah, we're, we're about to crazy. get on. <laughs> my message to, to get on the radio. <laughs> right? Mind blown. Yeah. So if you guys just kind of walk us through. First of all, the crazy waves. What, hi, who's on duty? What's going on? Well, um, I was on duty at the, the Flora base. Uh, same place, same, same helicopter as we talked about last time with Anselm Fendrika. So we have been on a mission earlier that day. It was a Saturday. Um, we were on a, yeah, it was a heart stroke, uh, CPR, pretty standard, delivered him to hospital. Got back, had a very late uh, breakfast at about 1, 2 p.m. or something. Just afternoon, and um, then we got this uh, call uh, about the cruise ship in distress. Uh, 1,400 people on board uh, <laughs> and has lost all engines. And we were like, okay, uh, serious? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, you know what? <laughs> I can see that right there, just getting that brief, and you're like, 1,400 people. What the heck do you want me to do with that in, in this helicopter? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, it took, it took us some seconds. We're just looking at each other. Uh, did he say 1,400? <laughs> well, let's go. <laughs> and, uh, and we filled up with maximum fuel. Uh, and, you know, we, we had calls like that before, not that heavy, but it's always like they get the engine started. Very often along our coast, ships uh, get the engine stops and we get the call. But before we are there, the engine goes and everything is fine. And that's the normal, that's a normal uh, procedure. And in the helicopter, as we took off, we were talking, uh, uh, we said exactly that. It's not gonna be anything. They're gonna get the engine started and it's, everything's gonna be fine. But that didn't happen. It didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> and we were kind of waiting for that as we were flying. Uh, it was uh, 50 to 60 knots wind in, in the area. Uh, we had that kind of uh, sideways uh, tailwind. So we were flying pretty fast. Uh, and we were also the, the helicopter, the rescue helicopter closest to the incident. So that's why we, we were there first. And um, yeah, the, the, the site or when we came there to see that huge ship uh, moving that much, that, that was crazy. Uh, I remember we, we very often go out on cruise ships along the coast to pick up one or two patients with a, a stroke, heart disease, something. Right, and it's it's a very easy thing. You just go on top. We don't use the guideline. We just because they are big, they don't move. So we just go on top, hoist down, get the guy, hoist up, and and leave. It's like yeah. a super easy thing on those big ships. And I remember when we were flying, we, we talked about uh, let's do it standard operation. Go on top, 
<laughs> no guideline and take it from there. So that wasn't possible. <laughs> the ship was really moving. Uh, so we, and you know, uh, we kind of tried to give them the brief about how to, to handle the guideline, but they never do as we brief. Right. Uh, and there were like three or four guys pulling in this guideline and trying to signal them, don't pull too hard, don't pull that much. And the weak link breaks, of course. Uh, been there before. <laughs> and you have to start over again. Hoist me up and deliver it again. Um, and second time, it seems like they start to, to kind of get the thing. And... Um, yeah, I get safe down on the ship. And people are like standing there. Uh, what now? And in my <laughs> head, we should start the evacuation at once. Our yeah. joint rescue center said that they had coordinated with the captain and they should start to evacuate. But okay. they kind of just stand there and uh, uh, nothing is happening. The ship okay. is really moving. And uh, it, at this time, uh, the anchor was fastened. As we, as we, when we come to the side, we can see that the boat is it's, uh, it's parallel with the wind and the waves. Okay. So it's only moving kind of um, yeah. head into wind, four and head aft. into waves. So the pitch, yeah, four yeah. and a half. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and and um, it's, a, it's a good place for hoisting. So, so the hoisting is, is it's okay. Uh, not that difficult, but but it's so big, and I was standing there, and you could really you could really feel. It was like you could hear the anchor every time it it, it moved. You can like you could you could hear it was hanging on the anchor. It was a very oh, intense oh feeling, <laughs> uh, and they just stood there, and I was like, "Come on, come on, are we going to evacuate? Uh, what? What?" <laughs> And um, yeah, it was kind of, no one knew what to do. They weren't really prepared. So it took some time. And we started uh, after a while, I don't know, 10 minutes maybe. Yeah. I got the first passenger and we started to hoist them. Standard sling. I started with one and one. Just kind of line them up. The and beginning just... of a very long day. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> So uh, when you had all the passengers, so I assume you had guys just kind of lined up on deck, kind of holding onto the railing. Yeah, kind of, they, they were just in, they were inside because uh, because of the weather. It was oh. raining, yep. a little bit of hole, uh, the wind 50, 50 to 60 knots. So they were kind of just inside and they come out with one and one. So as I hoisted the first one, they came with the second. And... Um, yeah, we, we started with one and one passenger because in the Super Puma, it's a little bit difficult to hoist two and two in the sling. Yeah. Okay. Because of the hoist is very forward and it's, it's, um, it's low yeah. and forward in the door. So hoisting two and two is, is a little bit difficult. So we started with one and one because of the conditions. But on the second run or the second time when we came back, we started to hoist two and two. Because we needed to to speed up, uh, yeah, one thousand four hundred people waiting. <laughs> Jeez, that's crazy. Now, uh, how many people can can you guys fit into this Um I've had uh, on a mission many years ago. I had uh, we the crew of five. We had nineteen passengers. Wow. Um, so there is room for like twenty to twenty one. And at this mission, we had a maximum of 16. Okay. But we have room for more. The problem was that um, uh, the, the area where we were going to land to, to, uh, to, put, to take them off, it was a little bit of turbulence there. So because of the landing, the pilot didn't want to have more than he needed. And it was four helicopters flying. So it was always a helicopter standby behind us. So, yeah, so we stopped at 16. So four helicopters lined up in a row, taking sixteen. Yeah, after after a while. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So you got uh, yeah, yeah. You got there first. We were first and alone in the beginning. Um, did you just stay on board and let and the helicopter take off? 
Or did you go back? No, up? we we did discuss that, and um, and but my first thought went home to my family <laughs> and my children. Yeah, good and I call. Thought, at, at that at that time. I kind of, I didn't feel safe. I didn't know enough about the situation. I didn't know that one engine had started. I didn't, I don't know if it had started at that point. So we're kind of evacuating this ship because we are expecting a disaster. We are afraid that the anchor won't hold and there are reefs all over the place. And it can take, hit the reef in seconds if the anchor loses. So I was like, ah, no, I'm leaving with the helicopter. Nice. And then, but a little bit later, a rescue man decides to stay on the ship because of the efficiency. And there is absolutely no doubt that it makes the operation, the hoisting, safer and more efficient being two rescue men on deck at all times. But so for you, me, being there uh, as in the first helicopter, first rescue man on board, I didn't feel happy with staying. On the ship, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't blame you one bit. Holy smoke! Um, when you went back out, so did you go back? You went back down to the ship to help out, like with yeah. So, so, I, so I, I, the first load, I think we took uh, ten passengers, and then the second helicopter was was ready, was standing behind us, and uh, there was a patient on a litter ready to be hoisted. But since we already had ten people on board. Uh, we couldn't take the litter. So we stopped with those 10 and let the second helicopter come and, and take the litter. Wow. So, so we went, uh, the second helicopter did their job with the litter and some more passengers. And then that second helicopter is also from my company, CHC, but they're working for the oil and gas industry. Pulled from uh, that the minute, to come do the uh, rescue. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, the oil and gas industry, uh, they released uh, three helicopters to help in this mission. Three or four, I'm not sure, three or four, yeah. Um, and um, then a third helicopter came from the Royal Norwegian Air Force, the 330 Squadron. And they were also there the whole night. The operation goes for 18 hours. Holy so they are there smoke! With 18 hours of working? Woo! Yeah, 18 hours in total, the hoist operation. Holy So they God. are the third helicopter, and then we come back as, uh, on a new round to, to, to pick up. So we just kind of uh, get the routine. We are four helicopters there. There's two Super Pumas. One uh, seeking from the Royal Norwegian Air Force, and then a fourth helicopter is a Sikorsky 92, wow. also from CHC, uh, working for the oil and gas industry. So we have four helicopters uh, working together on this. Jeez, oh man. And that's not all... getting, uh, yeah, it's people, we're hoisting people from their wheelchair, someone are in a litter. You know, you get. You know, these cruise ships, Yeah, it's like, yeah, most people are 80 or something, <laughs> 70, 80. <laughs> so I've been and, on uh, two cruise yeah. ships, and I have to agree with you. I've seen a lot of older generation yeah. people on a cruise ship. <laughs> yeah, I think the youngest person who hoisted were like 40 or something. <laughs> oh, my god! So to hoist this in slings... Um, yeah, I had my thoughts. Yeah, like them being able to, to grip long enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now, you guys on your sling, you guys have a chest strap or a crotch strap or both? At that time, we did not. Today, so, and, we have a crotch strap. Yeah. After that, after that evacuation, we have bought new ones, and now we are uh, getting, uh, not all bases have that yet, but we are getting it now. New new uh, slings with crotch strap. Nice, and that's because of this experience. Yeah. Uh, so uh, one of the pieces of gear that I like, I'm going to kind of divert here for a second, but I like using what I know as the Bowman Screamer suit or the uh, 
the AVED, the ambulatory victim extraction device. And basically it's like a, it's a big jacket that comes on and then up between your legs, you connect three big uh, yeah. metal rings to the center yeah. and then it sits you back in kind of a lazy boy position. And I, I absolutely yes. love that piece of equipment. So if you guys yeah. use it, we have that. Yeah. Beautiful. We have that from a uh, Petzl, the Petzl Pitagor. Yeah. They, uh, they make yeah. one as well. Yeah. Love them. Yeah. Love them. Yeah. So. We use them a lot uh, over land or always over land if you don't use the nature. Yeah. Uh, and we also use that. I didn't use that on this ship, but I know several others did on those uh, most old people. I think Hans Jonas might. Did you use that? Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, Me and uh, Long John, you and I were. Yeah. Work together. Yeah. So we yeah. actually use that on this ship. But you know, it takes it takes more time right it takes it's more time to put it time. on and yeah and then yeah. more time to take it but off to get the aircraft yeah so I, again it's you're so, evacuating yeah. 1400 people that you have to be efficient so at one yeah. point or another it's it's compromising your your comfort versus your efficiency and we've got this exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. and wow. that was the case here so at what so, point, yeah. uh, so you guys have four helicopters rolling up one after the other, just picking people off this cruise ship. At what point yeah. did the other, the other ship have issues? The, the Haugen? I think it was uh, about uh, three or four hours into the operation. I think we had, uh, my helicopter had done three or four pickups or like a total, we were three or four times. Uh, in total, I, uh, my crew hoisted 42 people from the ship <laughs> in three rounds. And, uh, and then we got this new distress. And in the beginning, you know, it was on the, on the emergency channel, channel 16. We heard this new mayday, mayday, mayday. But it was kind of in the beginning, we didn't, kind of understand is this still the uh, vacuum sky is there a new mayday is there a new situation uh did they lose anchor what's happening uh so it took kind of a while to understand that it was a new ship and they sent uh, first they sent this uh one of the s92s over there to 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 check at that time the ship was drifting and listing a lot because it uh, it is a cargo ship with timber, and when it's uh, drifting sideways sideways in these waves, you know, the timber moves. Right. So a lot of the timber went in into the sea, oh. uh, but it moves on top of the boat and makes it listing. Yeah. Pretty much, uh, and still drifting. They said it's not possible to hoist down uh, on the ship and they were actually not having their slings on board because they were at Viking Sky. They had left the slings oh, at Viking no. Sky for a more efficient for a more efficient uh, yeah. operation. Yeah. You, the, we're and, working over there and now we're going to go over yeah, here. Exactly. And, our gear and they didn't there. have the slings <laughs> and it was not possible to go down on the ship so, so this she said, we, we're not able to do anything here. And then they sent the second helicopter that was uh, available, which was uh, the seeking from the 330 squadron. When they came to the ship, uh, they had uh, an anchor. They were anchored. So they were laying still. And um, they tried to deliver the guideline in the, at the front of the ship. Okay. But the people there, there were no one trying to catch the guideline because, you know, the waves in between, they kind of come over the ship and everyone was just hanging on the rails. And since the ship was listing, the, the, the left side of the ship the, was like in the water, like the deck was in the water because of the listing. So those, the crew on board, they didn't want to go down there and try to pick up the guideline. So when the helicopter kind of tried to deliver the guideline, no one picked it up and it was impossible to hoist without it. And so after really trying, they were not able. 
to hoist to get the rescue man down and they had to leave for fuel and then my crew is up and uh, your duty time so you've you've capped no, out yeah no we are the next helicopter then oh you're the because, next helicopter coming yeah. in got it yeah coming Sorry, in on this ship miss out so yeah. the first the first helicopter that was there couldn't do it because it didn't have slings second helicopter yes. comes in they can't do it because they they're not helping with the guideline then you come in yes. on the third helicopter yes after this is uh i think we've been flying for like six or seven hours at this time uh lifting 42 people from viking sky wow and there are nine people on board this ship and as we see it it's not safe to to hoist me hoist me down the other helicopter already tried they didn't succeed with that so it's um you have to tell the guys to jump one and one into the sea, which, of course, they do not want to. It's yeah, dark. right. <laughs> it's it's late in the evening. It's dark and it's twelve to fifteen meters, so um, it takes a lot of long time. We instruct them to to jump uh, out on the side of the ship, not aft, right, but aft on the side to get like clean sea and get uh, away from the ship immediately. And um, of course, with uh, all the equipment needed, uh, the suits. And uh, yeah, but you know, from the moment you tell them to do it until they actually do it, I think it takes like 30 to 60 minutes. Oh, man. <laughs> so uh, we're, yeah, but um, they start jumping. And uh, I think uh, we picked up six of those nine and five of them are from the Philippines. Okay. Uh, and they're not happy in water, <laughs> not good swimmers. Plus, you know the Philippines <laughs> has like nice warm water too. You guys are, you <laughs> yeah, guys have yeah. cold water over this there. Is, <laughs> yeah, it's like eight, seven, eight, nine degrees <laughs> Celsius <laughs> in the water. It's after oh. a long winter, you know, we're in yeah. March. So, and big waves and dark. So, uh, well, they start jumping. Uh, we start to pick them up. And um, this first guy I pick up, uh, <laughs> um, he, he has this life boy, you know, this round life yeah. boy yeah. Uh, with him. He took that from the ship and jumped together with it and was hanging on that. And this life boy has a long, long rope. And as I get the... And as I get to him in the water, I can take this life boy, uh, pulls it away or uh, throw it away, get the sling on him, hoist up. But this life boy is hanging on to us for some reason. I kind of give the stop signal to the hoist operator because uh, this rope on the life boy is somehow entangled to me or that person. And I do not know if it's entangled to anything in the sea so I kind of, uh, well, hey, what's up with this life boy? <laughs> and, and, and this rope was around him. So I kind of, uh, I stopped the hoisting. I tried to, to um, find a solution to this. And as I get rid of the life boy, it takes my one swimming fin. Oh, it kind of entangles no. with my swimming fin. And I lose my swimming fin at that oh. moment on my first pickup. Yeah. Oh, son uh, of a yeah. <laughs> What's the chance? So you're just luckily, angry. Uh, I'm there with the sling in the hoist with him, so we're hoisting up. But and um, we have extra fins on board. Oh, luckily. thank God! Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. care. And that's a lesson fin. learned. Yeah, right. That's a lesson learned. What's a What's a rescue swimmer without his fins? Yeah. In such conditions like this, it's nothing. I couldn't. I couldn't have done anything without swimming fins in yeah, these it, conditions. Not in those size waves. I mean, don't get me wrong. We, uh, you guys probably train. <clears throat> we've trained with one fin as well. Like, okay, you lose one now, you it, still have to continue. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's yeah, way it's more like, difficult. Way more. It's difficult. way more difficult. You're trying to do um, like a dolphin I, kick, and it's just not yeah. working. And yeah. <laughs> so I would never. And with one fin, I would never ask a person to jump from the ship to save him. 
like in an emergency, if they're already there, you have to do, you have to try, you have to do what you can do. But I wouldn't ask a person to jump, leave the ship in those conditions close to the shore uh, with only one fin. But luckily we had spare fins, so I changed to those and, uh, and we went on. Uh, on the second or third uh, pickup, I was kind of pulled out of the water very hard as I was swimming. You know, with the waves and it was dark, yeah, this was just not enough uh, hoist wire out. Yeah. And I was kind of, yeah, pulled out pretty hard oh. and hurt my back a little. Ouch. Got some pain. Uh, and I went on for a few more, but I had to uh, just after person number six, I wasn't able to do <laughs> do anymore. I was, I was, I was finished. Tired. So you're tired and now injured. Yeah. Like you're hurt. Yeah. I'm tired after an extremely long day. The whole crew was tired and I'm now injured. My back is injured. And I, every time when I'm down in the water swimming, I can just feel that pain in, in the back. So, so I had to, to call it a day. And, um, and at that time, the, the second helicopter, the, the helicopter seeking from the 330 squadron, yeah. they were just behind us standing by. So as we stopped and left, they came in and took the three last persons from the ship and in the same way from, from the sea. Holy one smart. on one. Wow. So, uh, so yeah, that was some experience. And, and the greatest, well, the crazy part about this is you just came off the cruise ship picking up 46 people yeah. to pick up people, yeah. six people out of the water um, from a second ship now you're yeah. done. You're going back to base. There's still people out there. Tag, Hans, yeah. you're it. High five. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Is that about right? Yep, that's exactly. All right, so that's Hans, it. all right, let, let's uh, let's back up a little bit before we get into you showing up on scene. Do you know all this stuff is going on? Well, well, no. he's out there. So you, what do no. you do? You're, are you at home? You're just chilling out, watching yeah, I, TV, I, hanging out with the fam. Yeah, I, I've just basically gone off duty a week earlier and said to you know Alan, who was there, the good luck. Hope you got some cool missions. But I was home alone, and everybody who knows me know that I don't have my phone on me. It's everywhere beside where it should be. But I have a standing agreement with my uh, wife that if the crazy, if the phone goes crazy or the senior rescue man calls, please tell me. So I was I was building a garage with my father, and my wife calls in the afternoon. But hey, something going on with your phone? It's going nuts. So oh okay, it's probably something going on with the job. So okay, so I get in, look at my phone, and just tell tell my wife that hey, turn on the TV. And then I see uh, Alvin uh, hoisting uh, beside a giant cruise ship. And I was like, whoa, cool. I know that guy. <laughs> yeah, I know that guy. And uh, I, was like, oh, I wish I was there. God damn it. And then uh, I, I do believe it's oh, Alvin. The true rescue or, or, oh, yeah. Uh, Alvin or John Eric who said uh, to our, uh, we got our own messenger group and said, hey, we need more guys. This is going to take a while. So, so I didn't even look at my wife. I said, I'm there. I'm coming. <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, five minutes later, the senior rescue man called saying, hey, you're going. Go to the airport as fast as humanly possible. Don't think. Just get there. And uh, me and the uh, other guy from Oslo, and Nitter, we went uh, to Gardemund. And it's pretty cool, actually. It was really VIP uh, treatment by the Scandinavian uh, Airlines. They thrown two people off the plane to get us there and was holding at the gate to get us to Bergen as fast as possible. What? So, yeah. So, I hope they got uh, a free upgrade later. Gosh. Yeah, I, I, I do believe they got, they, uh, got some free upgrades. But oh. uh, our uh, operations center managed everything in five minutes. So basically, we got yeah, within an hour, I was sitting on the plane to Bergen, uh, where the company had a uh, line, S92, to pick me and uh, a pilot, and uh, Anne Nitter, who's a fellow rescue swimmer, and uh, Long John, who is also a rescue swimmer, 
and a uh, hoist operator to go to Kristiansund and uh, start uh, replacing the the crew who was uh, going out on time. Oh my gosh, that so, uh, it was- that in itself is great. So you know, it's it's actually kind of cool. You kind of a rock star at that point. Excuse me, I need to get on this flight, and then you yeah. land. That helicopter's waiting for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Basically, oh I felt gosh. like Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but then again, I was really new at this time. Like uh, two years experience, that not, that's not very much as a risky swimmer. Yeah. So I didn't know what was going on. And I, was, I have to admit, I was really nervous because I, uh, it was difficult to get the information. And of course, you get uh, a couple of messengers some. Uh, a couple of sentences here and there, and you, you don't really know what's going on. Yeah. The only thing you know is that the situation is critical and you better get there fast. Wow. So that was it. And uh, during the flight up, we, uh, we uh, landed in Flora and picked up gear to uh, Jonarve and uh, Ernitter. Uh, I, have, I didn't have any gear. I had a stone sea uh, suit uh, at a replacement, a replacement suit to one of the pilots in Bergen. That was everything I got. But oh. I know Anne, who I'm supposed to replace. We got basically the same uh, size in body. Like he's a little bit taller and skinnier than me. But uh, okay, we're gonna make it work. Oh, nice. that was a mistake. <laughs> I paid for later, <laughs> but that's another story. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was it. It was uh, it was quite challenging to go from zero to hundred, uh, especially when you don't have any experiences with it as well. All right. So uh, so when you get to the cruise ship, um, I assume you got lowered down to the cruise ship as one of the crew members on to work on board the cruise ship. Is that right? Yeah. Well, we got three rescue swimmers. We got two helicopters. Okay, and we knew that. Uh, the, the guys uh, that Alvin worked with, that they had the one rescue swimmer uh, standing on board the ship during okay. the hoisting operation to get things smoothly sorted out and save time. So uh, the thing is that I, I'm stationed on S92. So it's, it's uh, and the other guys, they're stationed on the Super Puma. And, uh, and uh, Jon Arve, he got the most experience. So it was kind of set in time that Jonarve is going to be on the boat if he wants to do that. And Alan is going to be on the Super Puma where he is used to be. And I'm going to be on the S92. Wow. So, so we kind of talk it out and how we're going to do. And everybody was okay with the situation. Especially Jonarve because he's taking the biggest chance staying there. Yeah. It's a, it's a high risk, but also a high reward. But it's different from time to time and mission to mission if it's a smart thing to do. But certainly at that time it was smart so yeah that was basically it uh, we got to Kristiansund uh, took a small talk with the crew and uh, Alan uh, he, he got butt naked in the hangar and I stole all his equipment and he went <laughs> to the hotel to sleep and uh, 15 minutes later we were refueling and uh, ready to do some hoisting holy smoke so, it went really fast. When you got on uh, on scene, what what was your like? How, just explain to me what you saw and well, what did... it was, uh, yeah, it was a huge ship, uh, enormous uh, cruise uh, ship, and yeah, it, it was a little bit. Uh, it was uh, not as uh, uh, what's see the, the it was calmed a little bit down. It wasn't rocking and rolling as much as earlier in the, earlier in the day, uh, but like from a technical aspect, uh, the hoisting area was pretty easy. Yeah, but it's a numbers game, you know. Lots of uh, not to talk bad about people, but the slings they aren't uh, made for eighty-year-olds. Right. They're made for strong, strong fishermen. Yeah, that was a big concern, and. Uh, the other thing I thought about was that there were a lot of American tourists and they certainly know what the U- U.S. Coast Guards are using. 
because they, they were really, really asking about where the basket was when they got the sling on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've seen this on TV in America, and there's a rescue basket. Yeah. Where's that? Yeah, you ain't in yeah. America no more, my friend. Come on. <laughs> um, there's no such thing here. <laughs> Sorry, guy. This is second class. <laughs> Not first class. <laughs> but, um, Man. so yeah i was i was really fortunate to have, to get to that work with uh, alan and long john who, uh, who has lots of experience and i could learn uh, a lot from them and especially alvin and the other guys who commented and sent messages so we, we got a better and better situational awareness of what was going on and lots of tips and tricks and yeah, uh, that I was really grateful for for that uh, information. It was really important Holy to God. help uh, help us uh, newbies. Um, how, like, when you guys were there, how many people did you end up picking up on your aircraft, or throughout? Well, during your time there, did you finish everybody uh, off? We got no, we got fifty nine on three turns. Wow, uh, and uh, and uh, we didn't. The, with the, with the, how the, the inventory of the S92 we had back at those days, we could probably have fit 25. But now we have uh, a, a little bit different uh, ramp systems. Now we could probably take approximately 35, I think, depending on the weight. Right and now, today. Yeah, right now. Right. So okay. we took uh, 21 as the most. And the other S92 got there in the morning. They took 23, but we could certainly have put more in. But uh, it's also a safety issue with the yeah. weight and landing. And yeah. Yeah. Better better be safe, get everybody on the ground than to push it too far and, and then all of a sudden yeah. lose the entire crew. And then agreed. Yeah. Wow. Actually, the biggest challenge when it comes to a mount here was, was the landing on shore because it was uh, behind some trees and some buildings. So it was a little bit of turbulence. So, so that was the reason why Manny stopped yeah. uh, at some number because of the turbulence. Yeah. Now, did you, oh, I, yeah. Uh, Hans, were you there to finish out everybody though? Did, it was the, the mission complete with you on, like in your rotation or did there, was there another group of guys that had to come in? No, uh, we went out, at, I think, 11 or 12 o'clock in the evening and we went to 10 in the morning uh, but wow. the, the the last time the last run we had at Viking Sky we, we see that okay it's it's this is going to go well uh, the thing has stabilized and uh, they got uh, tugboats there and uh, it was getting farther and farther out to sea when you followed it on the IS so we kind of realized that this is this is Okay, we're gonna get uh, called off the mission now, probably. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was it was a strange evening and uh, lots of stories to tell. But uh, I don't think they're uh, suitable for the not adult uh, audience. You get you can dumb it down a little, or uh, G-rate it a little bit. You can tell whatever yeah, story you want, my friend. Come on. Yeah, I could tell my my experience with wheelchairs, uh, hoisting wheelchairs. That was quite funny. Uh, you know, we got uh, we got two rescue men on boat, me and Yonarve. Yonarve is standing inside the boat and helping preparing the passengers, and I'm standing outside waiting for the passenger to come to me, and I'm uh, hooking them to the hoist and uh, sending them uh, into the helicopter. And by the way, it's a Goodrich hoist we use on S92. Okay. Uh, I forgot the last episode, and um, <laughs> oh, so we're standing there. We're standing there. Lots of radio communication. It's not that easy always to hear what's going on. So I'm standing there just waiting, and then this guy comes out, sitting in an electric wheelchair, and I I noticed you know I said something, but okay, the guy's coming out in a wheelchair, electric wheelchair. Saying okay, that's I haven't seen that one before. How are we going to hoist the wheelchair? So I, so I asked Tommy, my hoist operator, like, Tommy, do you got any like your mountain slings or something like that? How, how am I supposed to get that wheelchair up in helicopter? And I started to hear Tommy and the pilots 
and you are starting to laugh, really laugh uh, on the radio. And uh, you know, I was what's going on? Use your head. So, oh, what are you talking about? Oh, look under his jacket. I'm about, oh, well, there's the Pythagore. Oh, oh, now I understand what's going on. Oh, okay. So there were lots of uh, lots of small funny things happening uh, during the night, and then I remember you know I looked at me really disappointed, but you should know better. You know enough to do the job safely, yeah. but uh, you don't know the t- t- all the tips and tricks of the trade. You gotta learn somewhere. That's fantastic. Yeah. As we as we like to say, learning by burning. Oh my yeah. gosh. Um, you guys had mentioned a little bit, like uh, Alvin, you mentioned the engines started. They started to get them back on and, and kind of get underway again. Um, but you got or the, yeah. the ship almost hit a reef too. Yeah, and that's uh, we didn't know that before. Uh, two or three months later. Oh, okay. But uh, you know, when we came there, they had uh, they got anchor. They had the anchor fastened, and they were kind of hanging on the anchor. Yeah. And the engine, no, no, no engines uh, worked. And we started the pickup. Second time when we came back, um, it was a little bit different. Then they had started one engine. One of the four was the uh, up running, and they were kind of pushing a little bit forward. So you could see the anchor was going backwards you know they you, you yeah. could see that the ship was moving very very slowly it had maybe about one one knot just moving backwards very 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 slowly forward with that one engine and and dragging their anchor after them and um and they were not moving straight ahead we didn't know that then but we could see it on the on the map from the investigation later that they were moving kind of uh, sideways to, to, the, to the right. And at that time, they are passing a reef, which yeah. is on the map nine meters below the sea surface. And this wow. ship is about uh, eight or nine meters <laughs> down. Oh. And in those waves, I mean, uh, they are so close and they, um, they, they think that it's, it's probably was less than a meter, maybe just a few centimeters between that reef and the ship. Oh at one my point. So they are really so close to a uh, total disaster. It's, um, and you know, uh, they, they did pass reefs on their way in before they got anchor. There are reefs on both sides of them. So if the engine had stopped like one minute before or one minute later, they had been on a little bit, on a little different spot, as the engine stops, they could have hit the reefs, uh, and the picture would have been something else. Wow! So it's a really nasty area at our coast. It, it's probably the worst place that this could happen. So um, they have been really lucky. Yeah. So they got lucky because yeah. they were in the best place of the worst place they could possibly be. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. What the heck? That is crazy. So, and uh, also, <laughs> we're very happy that they got that one engine running, up and running, so they could push forward. And yeah, it worked well. Uh, in total, there were 30 helicopter lifts on the boat, and they lifted 460 passengers before they stopped and said that this is going to be okay. So 460 passengers off the boat in 30 uh, helicopters. Jeez, oh man. It was a huge operation for 18 hours. And uh, in the beginning, four helicopters worked together at the same time. Yeah. Uh, There were never more than four helicopters. uh, And in total, six helicopters were involved with nine different crews. You kind of changed crews during the night. Amazing. And it was, an, it was an amazing collaboration and cooperation between the uh, Ministry of Justice helicopters on shore and the oil and gas industry 
between different companies, different kind of helicopters. We have Super Pumas seeking S-92. We have the CHC helicopter service and the Royal Norwegian Air Force. And every, the corporation just went very smooth. <laughs> and it's uh, great when something like that happens along our coast. It's uh, it's uh, good to be on duty when That's things work that uh, fine. You know, you guys seem to have a couple good cases. I, I looks like I'm going to be calling you about yeah. every, you know, I don't know, so many months. Yeah, man. Hans, that's a that's a way to learn. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, but we, we can't uh, forget. Uh, you know, we're professionals. We in the Norwegian uh, Royal Air Force, but there were lots of uh, volunteers from the Red Cross and uh, uh, Almen. What's the Norwegian uh, People's Aid, who oh. managed the whole uh, gym to taking care of the evacuees when they got to onshore with blankets and food and everything else, and they they volunteered. Uh, wow. to do it the whole village where we landed yeah. they helped the people oh, with everything mad props that's a major shout out that's amazing uh, and it, wow. they, it went so really far that they actually they actually got a fuel truck from the from Aldersen the airport there to stand yeah. to go down with fuel so we could refuel five minutes uh, after that's we had on side, yeah. Wow. So it was a huge operation, and the volunteers and the fire department and police and ambulances, everybody stepped up, and it was amazing. It was amazing yeah. to see. I remember coming in there at five o'clock in the morning, being hungry, and asked <clears> if we could get a waffle, and they served us waffles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me, me too. We was we had a, a short break there because we needed it and there were four helicopters running. We had a yeah. break and the, this local people came out from some houses close by and asked if we needed something, some food, anything. They came with food to us. They came with uh, paracetamol we needed for the headache. <laughs> we were tired, you know, and uh, they just stood up and helped uh, in such a good manner. I was impressed. The full yeah, community was... coming together. That is that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. A really humbling experience to see when everybody plays on the same team. And yeah. And uh, especially the air crews as well. You know, 460 people hoisted, and, you know, hoisted up safely. And yeah. one mistake and they would certainly have died. There's just one mistake and it would be a disaster. So it was uh, a high pressure environment, but when you have good helicopters, good crew, magic happens. Wow. I I am blown away. Like everything, everything that had to come together to make that happen and a, a major success is, you know, holy smoke, you guys, that is amazing. That was a good day at, at work. <laughs> I bet when you it was so when you guys got back together, how was the debrief? Was it like, yeah, that just happened. All right, I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> no, there has been a lot of debriefs. Um, all the crews got together, at, and yeah, the debriefing has been very well organized by the Joint Rescue Center. And um, yeah, it's important to to uh, have lessons learned and. Yeah write them down and share them. We have shared internally in our company with, uh, yeah, the CHC Coast Guard in uh, Ireland. They got our reports and uh, others as well. It's important and, to share. There were many lessons learned. Yeah. And Hans learned how to not place a wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <I learned> that. <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> come on, Hans. You, you know, that's pure love, right? From me to you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, you know how it is. When you're new, you know, you know enough to do it safely. You don't know all the tips and tricks. And uh, it was quite funny afterwards. We, we had a couple of uh, laughs about that one. Yeah. 
it makes you feel any better. I have made some of the same similar stupid mistakes and you're like, oh, I should have known better. Yeah, so, we, <laughs> it's all good. We, we, like, we like to say that the, in the, the, you're, the, you're the new guy the first five years, then it's yeah. okay to do mistakes. So uh, I, uh, I don't have I, Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm not uh, out of the woods right yet. A couple of months and uh, I can't do any mistakes anymore. All That's right. going to be difficult. Embrace it. Just embrace what you got, man. Yeah. Embrace the suck. <laughs> embrace the suck. <laughs> oh, gosh, that is, that is awesome. I love it. Well, man, I, if you guys want to add anything else, you are more than welcome to. But uh, this has been awesome to listen to this story. I, I can't thank you enough for coming on and, and sharing this one. It, a major shout out to everyone involved in that case. Over 400 people pulled off that ship, saved the nine guys off the other ship. Amazing. You guys are incredible. I love hearing these. Thank you, Jason. Uh, some uh, some lesson learned for maybe for other rescue swimmers listening. Um, of course, it's this uh, when to use the sling and when not to use the sling, uh, with the risk of actually falling out. Old people, you know, if the shoulder is dislocated in the lift. Uh, yeah. So so our experience now is to is to have slings with uh, crotch strap. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we used the the other harness, the Petzl Pythagor that we have. Beautiful uh, on several of them, and yeah, and but what I actually found the most challenging, personally, the kind of a dilemma you 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 get down there, is that your mission is to evacuate as many as possible as fast as possible. Because if the anchor loosens, this ship is going to shore and it's going down. So as many as possible, be efficient. And you know, when you're down there, um, people in an electrical wheelchair, people on a litter, it takes time. Right. So should should you use the time on one person or instead evacuate four or six person at the same time? younger healthy persons that's that's a tough dilemma because if you choose the young people the kind of who's who's efficient who's fast you can hoist two and two in the sling it goes really efficient you will get uh, more people off in short time than if you hoist people with a hurt back in a litter people from a wheelchair one and one some of the people were so scared that they didn't want to hoist alone. So they had to go assisted with the rescue man. And this takes time, you know? Yeah. So now you have to so, come back down. Uh, yeah. Uh, but but uh, to be down there as the rescue swimmer and say no to an old lady in a wheelchair or to a person with a uh, broken leg in a litter to say, sorry, you have to wait. I have to take these young people to, to be more efficient, to be fast. That's a tough one. Yeah. But if, if the anchor had loosened and this ship had went down, you, you, you after, after that, you have to know that I could have rescued 10 or 20 more. Right. That's a tough dilemma. Yeah. How, how to prioritize uh, when you are down there. And, um, yeah, in my head, as many as possible, as fast as possible. But that means you have to turn down sick people, hurt people, and he can do that. Yeah, because that's our job. Like yes. that's what we're sent out to do yeah. all the time. Yeah, man, that's a so that's that, a tough one. Yeah, it's something yeah. to think about uh, before you get in such a situation. You know what? It's it's interesting. I. I don't believe there's a right answer to that, which is, is a no, terrible thing not. to say because yeah. everybody on scene is going to make a different call. Um, for yeah. me personally, I, I think I'm going to make the same call as you at the same time. If I've got a litter yeah. set up, ready to go, like I think you did is when the second helicopter comes in, boom, litter goes up first. So that goes out. Yeah. Now you have one injured and then two to four. So maybe you're doing a four to one or six to one injured versus, but I mean, yeah, you, 
Yeah. Wow. That is not, uh, it's not a good answer to it, but it's something to, to, uh, to think about uh, because what I have been thinking afterwards is that if the ship had went down yeah. and a lot of people had died, I would have known that I could have saved five or 10 more by doing it different. Right. But right there and then, it's extremely tough to, to say no to someone who's sick or hurt. So, so but yeah. And that's a tough one. That is something to ponder for, for anybody that's going to be in that situation. I, yeah. To reflect a little bit. Yeah. To reflect about that for others in our service. Yeah. I, I honestly don't and know. Uh, and another. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I really don't. I, and, uh, I, another lesson learned. Another lesson learned was that um, uh, if you if you leave, uh, like in this situation, one helicopter left his rescue man on board. Yeah. Uh, which made them they could not help with the second ship because they didn't have the rescue man on board. And another helicopter had left their slings on board to have a very efficient operation, which also made them. Not, not they were not able to help out with the second ship. So kind of leaving equipment, leaving personnel, you have to, to, to know that if something else occurs, something else happens, uh, you cannot help immediately. Right. But in this situation, there were many helicopters and it worked well, but uh, it's also something to consider when you, when you are leaving personnel or equipment to be more efficient. Right, that it's it have a disadvantage in case something else happens. Yeah, yeah. Another another one to ponder over as far as efficiency versus to be ready exactly. for a, a diversion. To be ready. Yeah, to be yeah. diverted to yeah. the next call. You know, in the middle of yeah. that call. So yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you could also mention that the this is a you know this is going to be a long night, and I remember it very vividly that okay you on a normal mission you hoist up you help the medic or doctor with your amazing paramedic rescue man skills but i remember this mission it, i taught myself okay it's a long night we're gonna be 10 hours plus you need to take care of yourself yeah. you're the priority now so i yeah. when i got up and we got off station i don't involve myself with the, the evacuees at all i i certainly made sure that i was drinking i was relaxing i took off clothes i changed i made the adjustment to my equipment and just relaxed and yeah. starting to mentally prepare myself for the next time i was going to the boat because it's it's really it's demanding on the really demanding with the, all the concentration you're doing on deck for uh, when you're working, it's you know you know how it is, Jason. You work 110 percent with your brain. Yeah. Everything's lit up. So it's it's important to think about yourself as well. Uh, this is going to be a long night. You need to be 100 uh, percent concentrated, and you need to get yourself in that uh, right uh, place of style and state of mind with your with your preparing yeah. when you're yeah. preparing for the mission. Very much so. Very much so. And, and, you know, because once if you're done, there's nobody. There's nobody else coming out. Well, I, in your case, there, you had a couple of the guys, but like Alvin, you got injured, yeah. and now yeah. if you got to tap out, like who's coming in and where are they coming from? Yeah. Like, yeah. We we have a limited supply of people to pick from. So, yeah. Wow, good advice, guys, all the way around. Guys, this was a, an amazing case all the way around. Your lessons learned from it. I, I thank you for sharing it with everybody around the world. Uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on yet again to, to share this experience. So Hans, thank you so much. Alvin, thank you so much. You guys are amazing. So badass, man. Well done. Thank you, Jason. You're welcome. Thank you yeah, for listening you, Jason. to us. Absolutely. And with that... We are out of here. Go. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. 
But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com. That's jason at T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q.com. You can also check us out on our web pages, therealrescue.com, our Facebook page, and our Instagram page, at The Real Rescue. Again, a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today. Always remember, when that SAR alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. <laughs>